Good morning, everyone. Welcome to you all on this, the last Sunday of the year. A year that has been good for some and not so good for others. A year in which many have known great joy and yet others have experienced great sadness. Throughout it all, I hope and pray that you have known God's presence, His kindness, and His love. And as we enter a new year, let us do so knowing that God, who has blessed us so richly in times past, will be with us, and He will bless us in times to come. And so we worship God. We sing to his praise and glory hymn 324, Angels from the Realms of Glory.
In 1 John we read these words, This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his only Son into the world that we might have life through him. Let us pray. Almighty God, whose glory flames from sun and star, we hear with gladness the good news of your coming to us in Christ. And with shepherds and all the heavenly host, we praise you, the one who created this world in all its splendor, and the one whose love for the world is such. You sent your only Son, full of grace and truth, to dwell among us. Gracious God, at the first Christmas, eternity entered time in the child of Bethlehem. Wise men came from afar with their gifts, and the course of history was changed forever. Loving God, as we remember how you came to your own people, but were not received by them, we confess that we too can turn you away. We prefer our way to your way. We forget your goodness and take the gift that life is for granted. We lose our sense of mystery in your presence and fail to recognize how great and wonderful you really are. Eternal God in Jesus, you give us light in our darkness. Set us free from all selfish and unworthy motives. Kindle within us a love that seeks the good of others and grant that turning again to you we may gladly give you the very best we have to give. Almighty God, source of light and life, bless this time of worship, and may it be that as we wait humbly before you on this the last day of the year, we will know again your presence, and with it the joy and peace that came into the world at the first Christmas. These things we ask in Jesus' name, and together, as the one people, we say the prayer he taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Yesterday afternoon, I had planned to go for a walk, similar to the walk that I had enjoyed on Tuesday afternoon up by Swan's Water. It was a beautiful day, but yesterday was a wee bit different. So rather than venture out from the manse, I thought, well, I'll do some tidying up in my study. And as I did so, I came across this paper that I must have printed off some time before. It's called The Work of Christmas. And the words were written by an African-American theologian named Howard Thurman. He was an author, theologian, and a great civil rights leader in America. I find 
the words quite powerful and very telling, and I hope you will too. The work of Christmas. When the song of the angels is stilled, when the star in the sky is gone, when the kings and princes are home, when the shepherds are back with their flock, the work of Christmas begins. To find the lost, to heal the broken, to feed the hungry, to release the prisoner, to rebuild the nations, to bring peace among people, to make music in the heart. Let us worship God. The hymn 314, 314, Child in the Manger. The Old Testament reading this morning is taken from Isaiah 61, verse 10, and then on to chapter 62, finishing at verse 3. Isaiah 61, and it can be found on page 622. Let me rejoice in the Lord with all my heart. Let me exult in my God, for he has robed me in deliverance and arrayed me in victory, like a bridegroom with his garland. 
or a bride decked in her jewels, as the earth puts forth her blossom or plants in the garden burst into flower, so will the Lord God make his victory and renown blossom before all the nations. For Zion's sake I shall not keep silent, for Jerusalem's sake I shall not be quiet, until her victory shines forth like the sunrise, her deliverance like a blazing torch, and the nations see your victory and all their kings your glory. Then you shall be called by a new name, which the Lord himself will announce. You will be a glorious crown in the Lord's hand, a royal diadem held by God. The New Testament reading is taken from Luke chapter 2, verse 22 to 40, can be found on page 49 of the Pew Bible. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. Then, after the purification had been completed in accordance with the law of Moses, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord as prescribed in the law of the land. Every firstborn male shall be deemed to belong to the Lord and also to make the offering as stated in the law, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. There was at the time in Jerusalem a man called Simeon, This man was upright and devout, one who watched and waited for the restoration of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Guided by the Spirit, he came into the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the law required, he took him in his arms praised God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your servant in peace according to your promise, for I have seen with my own eyes the deliverance you have made ready in full view of all nations, a light that will bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. The child's father and mother were full of wonder at what was being said about him, Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, This child is destined to be a sign that will be rejected, and you too will be pierced to the heart. Many in Israel will stand or fall because of him, and so the secret thoughts of many will be laid bare. There was also a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was a very old woman, who had lived seven years with her husband after she was first married and then alone as a widow to the age of 84. She never left the temple, but worshipped night and day with fasting and prayer. Coming up at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and talked about the child to all who were looking for the liberation of Jerusalem. When they had done everything prescribed in the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee, to their own town, Nazareth. The child grew big and strong and full of wisdom, and God's favour was upon him. Amen.
Thank you, Margaret. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Hymn 320. Let us pray. Lord Jesus, as we rejoice in your birth, we are mindful that there are many who have yet to come to know you. We pray, therefore, for your church as it seeks to make known the good news of the gospel. Grant that, renewed by this celebration of your coming to us, we may reach out with love to all people and declare in word and action that you are with us to save us from our sins and to give us life everlasting. Gracious God, in this world of plenty, we pray for those who go hungry. In this world in which there are houses which are never or rarely occupied, we pray for those with nowhere to live. Loving God, news of your son's birth amazed some, but startled others. Raise up prophetic voices to inspire commitment and challenge injustice. Prosper the work of all who seek to make life better for those who struggle. And guide, O God, the leaders of the nations, that they may seek peace and not war, and work for the common good of all. Lord Jesus, time and time again, your love motivated you to help others. Bless those who are lonely. 
strengthen those let down by the actions of those they love, sustain those laid aside through sickness, and be a comfort to all who grieve. Gracious God, Your love stretches across the ages a constant beacon of hope and promise to all who trust in You. As we thank You for the example of faithful people like Simeon and Anna, we remember with gratitude those whose faith has inspired us and whose prayers for us over the years have blessed us in ways beyond our imagining. Gracious God, we give thanks for those we have loved, but see no more. May light perpetual shine upon them. Loving God, as we gather on this day and prepare to close the pages of one year and begin another, may we, like Jesus, grow in wisdom, and let us face all that is yet to be, knowing that you are with us. In the precious name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Saviour, we ask these things. Amen. At this special time of year, I try to cover as many of the Christmas hymns as we possibly can, and I don't think we've sang our next one uh, this Christmas so far. Uh, 305, hymn 305, In the Bleak Midwinter.
For many people, Christmas is over. The last of the turkey has been enjoyed. That's if you like turkey, and I certainly do, not least with gravy and cranberry sauce. Presents have been opened and perhaps some have even been returned to the shops and exchanged for other presents. Visitors will have left and dare I say it, trumpets will have sounded as they did so. And I know of some people who have already taken down their tree and decorations for they are ready to move on into a new year. I can get that, and I'm sure you can get it too. So much has to be done in the lead up to Christmas. There is the careful planning and preparation, the buying of food, the looking forward to the big day, and then it comes, and for many it is a great day. But then that is it, finished, until we do it all again next year. And yet, can I boot it to you that for the people of God, Christmas is most definitely not over. We are in the season of Christmas, and the good news, news of great joy proclaimed by the angel to the shepherds can still be heard. And the baby whose birth we have celebrated with countless numbers throughout the world lies before us as we continue to reflect on the wonderful gift that God has given to us. Today's reading from the Gospel of Luke has much to tell us about this newborn child. In accordance with the law of Moses, Mary and Joseph took the baby to Jerusalem, where he was presented in the temple, and they gave an offering in thanksgiving to God for the child. This ancient ritual to many today will seem strange and out of kilter with contemporary society. But it has within it the belief that a child is a gift of God. And believing that to be so, there is surely no more precious gift, a gift that should be looked after and loved like no other. It horrifies me, as I'm sure it will horrify you when I hear of children being neglected or abused. And sadly, there is so much of that happening today. It's an awful thing. And likewise, when we see in our television screens children suffering and dying through that terrible war in Israel and Palestine. 
It is awful. And therefore, I believe that we have a duty to look out for the children we encounter, because children matter, just as they mattered to Jesus, who said, let the children come to me. At the temple, certain things happened which give us insight into the child Mary and Joseph cradled in their arms. They encountered two remarkable individuals, both of whom were old and devout, Simeon and Anna, and both speak about the child's future. It's really quite something. Firstly, let us think about Simeon. His name alone is significant. It means one who hears and obeys. And he lived up to his name. He didn't only listen. Like the wise man who built his house in the rock, he obeyed what he heard and lived his life in accordance with it. Now, at the time we're thinking about, there were people known as the quiet in the land. They weren't loud people. They weren't out shouting in the streets or anything like that. They were faithful people. They were people of prayer who meditated day and night on God's Word. And Simeon was one of them. Now, for some reason, Simeon had been singled out and told by the Holy Spirit that he would not taste death until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. And for long, long years, he waited and he did so without giving up hope. And there's a lesson here for us today. So often people lack the ability to wait, to wait upon the Lord. If they pray for something and do not get an answer there and then, then they either give up on God or at the very least they question his sovereignty and his power. How often have we heard the phrase, good things come to those who wait. There's great truth in that. Simeon waited, and in waiting, he was not disappointed. The day came when he was led to the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the law required, the old man took the child in his arms. Perhaps it was the first time he had ever done that. I wonder how Mary felt about that, because as a mother, 
you're protective of your child, or at least you should be. But Simeon, this old man of faith, took the child into his arms, and he praised God. And he said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your servant in peace according to your promise. For I have seen with my own eyes the deliverance you have made ready in full view of all nations, a light that will bring revelation to the Gentiles and glory to your people Israel. In the course of time, these words were to form the Nunc Dimittis, the great hymn of the church. But they give us what we might call an outline of the work of Jesus and a summary of what would happen to him. For Simeon, Jesus is the end of his waiting, but the beginning of God's plan of salvation. And what a plan it was. A light not for Israel alone, but for all people. Jew, yes, but also Gentile. For male, yes, but also female. Here was a plan for all nations under heaven. A plan that, yes, would cause many to fall and others to rise. But it was also a plan that would pierce Mary's heart as Jesus is rejected and finally crucified. The more I think about the birth that gave us the first Christmas, the more I marvel at the resilience of Mary and Joseph. What a lot they had to absorb about this special child entrusted to them. And though they must have had cause to wonder about it all, they accepted it with an obedience and devotion that marks them out as truly special. Isn't it true that at Christmas we can, for a moment, get caught up in the story of the angels and shepherds, the nativity scene, and the visit by the wise men? Somehow, it's as if we are lifted from life as we know it. But then in the days that follow, reality dawns as we return to life as it is. That is how it was for Mary and Joseph. The joy of Jesus' birth was now somehow overshadowed by what they heard would happen because of him and to him. And that must have concerned them deeply. But they did, as they had been asked to do, for they knew that God would be with them in all that was to be. And so it is for us. 
In Jesus Christ, God has entered our broken world and fragile lives, and He is with us. That is the wonder of Christmas. That is something that should never cease to amaze us. God is with us. Now, very briefly, a word about Anna. We don't know much about her except what Luke tells us. Her husband died after only seven years of marriage, and she had been on her own for a long, long time. Now, some in that situation might have turned away from God or become bitter or even resentful of other people's happiness, but not Anna. She grew in faith, and now she was old, yet like Simeon, she never lost hope. Isn't hope a wonderful thing? It can transform our outlook and encourage us on our way through life. And isn't hope what we need as a church and world at this time? This time of so much uncertainty. This time when we draw close to the ending of another year and the beginning of a new one. The other day, I was reading Life and Work, the magazine of the Church of Scotland. I think it was the January edition. You know, the church, or those responsible for the publication of Life and Work, and I think it's a great magazine, but ministers no longer get a printed copy. We get it on our computers. It comes by email, but it's not the same. So, the other day I was in the church and I found a copy out in that vestibule there, and I took it home, and I was reading it, and I enjoyed it. But I came across an article about how we fulfill our mission in contemporary Scotland, and I was taken by these words written by the Reverend Tommy McNeil, who is minister of Martyrs Memorial Church in Stornoway. And I remember worshipping there some years ago. And this is what Tommy wrote. I describe myself as a gospel optimist. The basis for my optimism can be found in a quote from Karl Barth. Take your Bible in one hand and a newspaper in the other, and read both. But always interpret your newspaper from what the Bible says. And Tommy went on, We are a people of the book, and I don't think it's possible to read it and not be a prisoner of hope. I like that very much indeed.
Anna waited for the one who would set people free. And this looking forward, well, it was rooted in the past, in a vision from of old, and in the wonderful promises of God, promises she knew would one day be fulfilled. Can I put it to you that how we view life can often depend on how we view God. If we think of Him as distant and detached, it would be easy to despair and lose hope, as many do. But if we think of God as being intimately connected with us, as having his hand on the helm, as it were, then we can be sure the best is yet to be, and the passing of the years will not rob us of the hope within us. That is how it was for Anna. She worshipped continually and never ceased to pray, and she knew in her heart an unshakable hope, because day by day she kept contact with the one who is the source of strength, and in whose strength our weakness is made perfect. Two remarkable people, Simeon and Anna, that day in the temple was for them an ending. The one long awaited had come, but it was also a beginning. God is with us here in the flesh, and His plan of redemption was about to unfold, bringing people back into a right relationship with Him and enacting His vision of love and peace and justice for the world. The prophet Isaiah in that passage that we read earlier, when looking to the day when the prophecies of old would come to pass, declared, as God renews the earth in springtime, so He will revive His people, and righteousness and praise will rise from all nations. So may it be. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. Before we sing our closing hymn, let's take a moment in the quiet just to reflect each one of us on the year now drawing to a close and the year to come.
Amen. The closing hymn, hymn 319, 319, of the Father's love begotten.
May God, who is the ground of all hope, fill you with joy and peace, and the blessing of God Almighty, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit be among you and remain with you now and forevermore.